0: Hello, hello. You are listening to season two, episode two of the Depth and Candor podcast. Depth and Candor is for all of the fun-loving, ambitious women like me who want access to resources that will help us live vibrant lives from the inside out. I'm Hiwete Gitana, and today we're talking to author and public speaking coach, Steve Alexander. I met Steve at a public speaking workshop in New York City about a year ago, and I was blown away when I learned that he was only 26 years old, because he's so wise and incredibly insightful. My respect for him continues to grow with every single speech that I see him deliver, and I'm so happy that he's here to drop gems about becoming an excellent public speaker. Without further ado, let's go to the show. So Steve... Thank you so much for coming on Depth and Candor. Thank you for inviting me. Why don't we start? So I'll tell the people how I know you. I met you at Toastmasters. You were probably winning a speech, as you always do. And I remember learning that you became the president of New York Toastmasters like two years ago, three years ago. And I was like, this guy looks so young. Like, how did he do it? So over time, I found out about your company, Authority LLC. And then I found out that you wrote a book. And over time, we've gotten to really know each other. And I've gotten to learn a ton from you about public speaking. Thank you. So why don't we start with you telling the audience about yourself? Why don't you tell us where you're from, how you got into this world of public speaking in the first place?
1: Sure. So I'm from Brooklyn, New York, born and raised, still live there now. And the reason I got into the whole public speaking thing was because I had an incident when I was probably a junior. No, I was a senior in school. And when I was a senior in school, I ran into this teacher or professor who said, Steve, whenever we gave these group assignments, you weren't very convincing. And for the final project, you weren't very convincing. So I know you have a job opportunity, but I think you should go to graduate school because you don't speak well in public at all. And that hurt me a lot, but it didn't really give me that push I needed to start working on it. When I started working... I started realizing that there was, like, this division between the people who were really out there getting it, meaning flying all over the world, having all these opportunities, and the people that sat in the back office and really did nothing. At work. At work. So what I realized with those two individuals or those two different groups of people was that the people who were flying around and got all the the perks, they tended to be a lot better communicators. So I started interviewing people on the job, and they said, You know what? That person, let's say Tom is an exceptional communicator, so we trust him to put him in front of clients. If you would enhance your communication skills, you might be there too. That pushed me because I'm young, I started making some money, and I'm thinking, I can go here? All right. So I started joining the Toastmasters thing, was petrified. What is Toastmasters? We should define that. Sure. Toastmasters is this large international organization where people get together, they have a fear of public speaking. And together they work to improve their communication skills week by week. So one person will get up and give a speech and the rest of the group will give them feedback. I joined. I hated it at first. They said, Steve, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I got up. I said something for 30 seconds. I do not remember what I said whatsoever. Then after that, I heard everybody clapping for me. So I said, you know what, maybe I'll go back to this thing again. I kept going and going. They made me what they called a sergeant at arms. So I had to greet people at the door, which forced me to talk more. Then after, let's say, six months, they said, you know what? You come consistently. Maybe you should think about running for president. And I'm thinking, what? There's no way I could be president. Now, I've ran organizations before, but not a public speaking organization.
0: Mm. So you had the leadership
1: skills, not necessarily the speaking skills. Absolutely. I'm used to delegating things and having other people talk. (laughs) So then I said, all right, mm, I'll think about it. I got up to give the presentation. They had the elections going on, and there was this guy with... Thirty years of experience. I don't know if you were there at the time. No. This guy had ran hedge funds and did all this stuff. And he gave this beautiful speech about how he was going to take the club to the next level. And I got up there and said something emotional like, listen, I've been coming here every week. I love you all. You see how I've improved. I want to help you all improve too. Mm. Some way, somehow it worked. I became president. I eventually ended up coaching people. I was taken to the White House to do this type of thing. And then from there, I said, let me publish a book, Speak, A Simple Guide to Public Speaking.
0: Which is amazing. I read it. Yeah. 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 And that's so I read the book, and I was like, Steve, you have to come on the show and talk about how you got to where you got to, because in your book, you share that you weren't always very eloquent.
1: Oh, no, absolutely not.
0: And so were you shy, or how did you go? Okay, so you were shy. How did you go from that to... I should improve? What mindset change happened?
1: It's interesting, my parents are from the Caribbean. So they talk extremely quickly and I inherited that growing up. Mm -hmm. So I always had this thing about, don't talk too much because people won't understand you. I would say something and people would say, would you repeat that? Or what was that you said? And it would really irritate me. Mm -hmm. So I always had this little kind of phobia about going out and presenting myself in general, even in social situations. The mindset that changed was that I think once I went through corporate America And started giving some presentations And all that kind of stuff And went through the whole Toastmasters thing I started thinking about The fact that there was one time And I don't tell much people this I'll let you know I wanted to improve the communication skills And before I went to Toastmasters I decided to hire a coach And they were charging like $200 an hour That's like lawyer money That makes no type of sense Mm -hmm. Even at my level now I still don't think it's appropriate to charge people that can't afford it i was young at the time so i decided and thought if i could improve this thing i'm gonna change the game for everyone out there
0: mm.
1: and that was like the little shift that was a little push to keep mm-hmm. on going no matter what
0: knowing you had to pay that two hundred dollars to this person who apparently could speak better than you right right did they, they help you
1: i mean i wouldn't say they weren't helpful they they were helpful they were all right but I i don't think they were particularly better than me Mm. And the way I look at this public speaking thing is that no one's better than anyone. Mm. So you may get up today and give a fantastic presentation, and then the next day it may not hit so so well.
0: Mm-hmm. So what makes a good public speaker then? And this is the
1: thing. I'll give you all the tips in the world, but honestly, if you could find your own unique voice and let that shine through, you will master any presentation. You will master any social situation. No matter where you are and you have to speak publicly, you will master
0: I think that so that that phrase find your voice has become a cliche at this point, right? Because I have no idea what it means to find my voice. Like, if finding my voice <laughs> is just me speaking regularly, then yes, I found my voice. If it's like the same thing as building a brand or like being known for something, then I have no idea whether I've done that or not. So, what does finding your voice really mean?
1: And it's deep, but it just really means being comfortable with who you are and sharing your story, whatever that may be. Mm. That's what it is, and that's the hard part. So a lot of people think about presentations or starting com- companies, as you say, and they have this idea of like a Richard Branson or a Jack Ma who's Alibaba or Brian Tracy. They think of all these people and they try to emulate it. Mm-hmm. So their true personality never comes out. Mm-hmm. What you have to do is just find your own true story and be willing
0: to share that. And it's not, it's not easy. How does someone find who they are. And so, for the audience, sidebar, Steve is also a therapist, so (laughs) this might turn into a therapy session.
1: (laughs) Um, So there's a lot here. Obviously, you can go through years of therapy and all that kind of stuff, but it really just comes from an acceptance of what you've been through and saying, like, listen, no matter what I've gone through or no matter what my story is, I'm important and I have something to share. And also embracing the fact that in life, and I don't want this to sound too psychotherapeutic, but there's no such thing as right or wrong. Either whatever you're doing pushes you forward or it pulls you backward. So some people think, I like comic books, so that's not worthy of sharing. I'm pretty sure you'd find an audience for that. Or I'm an accountant, there's nothing for me to say. There's an audience for that also. You have to embrace whatever it is that you come with, whatever gift, skill, whatever hobby you like, and say, I'm the coolest person in the world, no matter what, and then share that. The
0: other thing I wanted to ask you was, what do you think we're so afraid of? Why Why is the fear of public speaking such a big thing?
1: Okay, here we're going to get a little deep, too, okay. some psychotherapy. Now, there's many reasons why people fear public speaking. Obviously, there's judgment. There's a fear that you may lose your place and everyone will look at you and start laughing, But it really gets deeper than that. When you think about the fear of public speaking, all of us, every single person that you come into contact with, and I've done this psychotherapy thing for a little while now, we all have perverse thoughts. We all have thoughts of destruction. Or You may be on the train and think, hmm, I wonder what would happen if this train derailed. But we keep it to ourselves. We would never blurt it out because it's not socially accepted. But I'm telling you, every single person has those thoughts. Mm -hmm. Whenever you get up on a stage, you're subconsciously thinking that, Listen, my inner thoughts, particularly the destructive ones, are going to come spilling out, I'll be figured out, quote-unquote, and then people won't like Mm. me anymore. So that's what it is. It's a feeling that all those thoughts or reactions or all those things, quote-unquote, negative that people may see as negative, may come spilling out for the world to see. And you'll never be able to recover from it.
0: Okay, so... Lots of people have this overwhelming fear of public speaking, and yet we want to improve, right? Mm -hmm. Why is it so important that we become good public speakers and good communicators?
1: I think for me, once I improved my communication skills or public speaking, everything changed in me. Relationships, work skyrocketed. I mean, I ended up being promoted three times in a year. It was ridiculous, all because I was able to do everything or take on all the opportunities that no one else wanted to do. So if you learn how to communicate more effectively, your relationships will be better. You'll become more confident. That's a given. I think you said that on your, your blog post before. But everything around you is going to be able to... is going to change dramatically because people start looking at you differently. Mm. People see you as a hero. So it's a lot that goes into it. I think if you really consider improving your communication skills, every aspect of your life will change. And it sounds cliche. I hate saying that type of stuff, but it's that one thing. I mean, advocacy. We live in a very divisive time, and I'm not talking about politics alone. I mean, on everything, you see people arguing. Bickering. Bickering. If you know how to advocate for yourself, things will change around you.
0: I think a big part of what's changed for me in becoming a better communicator is how I build connections with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then the second piece to that or the underlying piece is that I've learned, and this is something you taught me actually, um, to understand other people's pain points and to be able to speak to that. So why don't you share a little bit about what you told me after, I don't know if you remember this, but I, gave, I delivered a speech and you said, I really liked that speech because it hit a, it like spoke to a pain point that I had. What does that mean?
1: So I think in your specific incident, there was the attractive man that was running around on the beach or something, and then you felt, you, felt, you found out about the two people who were killed mm-hmm. or shot down the gun So it was like about race. Right, it was about race and inequality. And me,
0: police brutality.
1: I mean, me being a young black male, I face that every single day. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily police brutality, but in one way, shape, or form, I'm always reminded that there's inequality out there. So when I talk about pain points, I mean... Whenever you're giving a presentation, we're always trying to filter whatever's going on around us, all the stimulus, to see what is more appropriate or what should register with us, right? So if you find someone's pain points, that's the way to get them to listen. So it just reminded me when I heard your speech, like, listen, we live in a crazy time and it just sounded validating. You didn't know my pain points, but because you spoke to it, it sort of registered with me.
0: So if people, if I don't know your pain points, how can I consistently deliver good speeches?
1: If you have no idea, now let's say work aside, right? You have to understand that just by mere psychology, people crave very few things, Mm. right? We all love, 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 money, Mm -hmm. and security, things like that. So if you could find ways to tailor your presentation to love how people can get more of it, security, financial prosperity you'll always do well. Mm. Outside of that, you have to know your audience. Because I never, never, never recommend getting a an audience if you don't know anything about them. You don't just go in there and give like a one-size-fits-all. You want to give a presentation that's bespoke to the people that you're speaking to.
0: That's powerful. You You touched on one of the letters from your book, S-P-E-A-K. You talked about K. Why don't we talk through, why don't you walk us through what the S means, what the P means, etc.
1: Sure. And the reason why I came up with these five points was because, like I told you, I had hired a coach who was like $200 an hour. And then I started reading all these books, and they were like 300 pages or more. And I'm thinking, after I got better at public speaking, I knew for a fact you did not need a 300-page book or hire someone for $200 an hour. It's very simple. And that's why I call it a simple guide to public speaking. So these five points, and people say, is it only five points? There's probably more, but I've made it or boiled it down to five points so that it's simple and easily digestible for people. Five of
0: the most important points. Right.
1: So the S stands for structure. The P is for your presence. The E is for engage. A is for articulate. And K is for knowledge, as we spoke about before. Okay. The S is very simple. Whenever you give a presentation to any group, or even if you're speaking in a social setting, people are always wondering, where am I going? Or why is this important? Or why should I listen? It's always going on because we're presented with so many different options. And social media just kind of took that through the roof the past couple of years. Yeah. So they're always thinking, why should I listen to this? Or why is this important? Or how is it going to benefit me? The way you do that is by structuring your presentation. And you often hear people say, tell them what you're going to tell them tell them, and then tell them what you just told them. Mm -hmm. That's a very basic kind of way, but there's some truth to it. What you want to do is outline the key points that you're going to address throughout the presentation, go back through it in more detail, and then end it off with the points and a call to action. You can read about it more in the book. Okay. But the P is for your presence. Whenever you get up in front of an audience, we spoke about some inequality earlier, so I'll bring it back again. Mm -hmm. People are naturally making snap judgments about us. It comes from our socialization, it comes from what our parents were teaching us. They could be complete sweethearts. But because they were socialized a certain way, they're making snap judgments. So when I say presence, you have to monitor the way people perceive you. How you do that is by dressing a little bit nicely. Dressing to suit the occasion. Doesn't mean it has to be a full suit or anything, but dress in a way that says, I took time. Shave yourself a little bit. Whatever you have to do. The next thing with presence is to move while you're speaking. There's a common statistic out there, which I found out was false, but I'll still throw it out there, (laughs) that 70% of communication is nonverbal. But there is something to say that people like to see animation while they're listening to you, because our brain habituates. If you put anything on the same volume for an extended period of time, or if you see somebody just still, your brain just kind of tunes them out. So by moving your hands or walking around a little bit, you give people something to hold on to. That's the P. The E is for engaged. This is probably one of the most important points what this means is that while you're speaking people are still finding ways to get themselves out of the presentation (laughs) they're thinking all right bills relationships like we spoke before so there's key ways that you can keep people engaged throughout your presentation one of those ways is to vary your vocal pitch but if you're not like that you're not into it you think it's a little bit too theatrical what you can do is throw in rhetorical questions so what i might say is you guys understand what i'm talking about don't you and I might say, could you imagine how I might have felt walking onto that train and seeing people just move away from me? That was sad, wasn't it? They can't say whether it was sad or not because they weren't in my position, but they might start thinking, okay, I see how that might be sad.
0: So they start connecting with you or trying right. to empathize with you. By qu-
1: asking a question, what you're doing is you're creating a little gap in the mind. And people are saying, hmm, I don't know. Why did you tell me? And then you give them the information. Right. So there's many ways to engage the audience. I won't belabor them here. The A is for articulate. This is all about how what you're saying sounds. So you can remove the ums, the ahs, typical stuff like that. The basicallys, that's another word that people kind of don't think of. Yeah. Basically, essentially, these are all words like. that enhance like, they don't really say anything or add to the presentation. So removing some of those words is extremely important. The K is for knowledge. And I always break it out into threes. So you have to know your audience, You have to know the topic, and you have to know the venue. When I say know the audience, people always say these things about eye contact, and it's very important. But if you go to certain Southeast Asian countries, they don't like eye contact. It can seem overwhelming to them. So know the audience before you go start speaking with them and having a dialogue. You have to know the topic. And when I say know the topic, it doesn't mean you have to be an expert in, let's say, hair products or technology, or anything like that. What you want to do is just find three specific points that your audience can resonate with and then learn the crap out of those three points Mm. and then deliver it that way. So you know your topic, you come across as a subject matter expert, and then you want to know the venue. The venue is extremely important because I gave a talk to the SUNY College of Optometry recently. Mm -hmm. Very bright students. I got in there and I was expecting a classroom. What it was was an oval So now I'm in the middle here and I have to talk this way and then move this way. Had I not practiced in an area like that before, it would have been extremely painful. So kind of know the setting where you're going to. And that's easy. You just have to show up a little bit earlier or speak to the person who's facilitating the event. And they'll tell you all these details. Wow. Mm -hmm.
0: Can we talk about the articulate point a little bit more? Sure. So the word articulate for people of color, is a touchy word. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember when Barack Obama was running for president the first time, he was called articulate all the time. And we never said anything like that about Bill Clinton, right? Or maybe people did, but not as often. Why is articulate, being articulate as a black man, why is there such a... Like, why is it such a controversial conversation?
1: I think historically people tend to look at our way of speaking as inappropriate because we follow Euro- Euro-American norms, which says pronounce the E's and the R's and don't drop the INGs gs and all this kind of stuff. So when they hear people speaking their natural vernacular, let's say it's Ebonics, which is nothing wrong with that. They tend to say they're not articulate and they use it as a means of sort of Suppressing them a little bit.
0: Right. Of making it seem as though the Euro-American way of speaking is better. Right. And what I want to say, and I think
1: I touch on this in the book also, my parents were from the Caribbean, so everything is extremely fast. They drop off the last parts of the sentences, all kinds of stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. When I say articulate, I don't mean sounding like someone you're not. What I mean is just making sure that people can understand you. There's no excuse for you coming out mumbled or jumbled or scattered. So still, even if you have the, you feel me, you know what I'm saying, stuff like that, nothing wrong with that. But just make sure people understand you. I would appreciate and I would respect anyone that comes up and speak the way they naturally do. Like I said, finding your own voice, as opposed to trying to mimic someone else that's not them.
0: I appreciate that. I appreciate that you said that because I ne- I would never want people to try and sound like something else because that's what artic- uh, what's considered articulate. Yeah. Um, so you said, see, my problem is the ums.
1: Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, oh, we should speak about that too.
0: Okay, let's talk about
1: it. When we think about these filler words like ums, ahs, you knows, it's okay to have a few of them in there. And I get a lot of backlash in the industry because of this. Because they say, Steve, you're not being strict enough and ums and ahs are not professional. Listen, we're not supposed to be sounding like some kind of weatherman or some kind of radio show announcer. That's not natural. It's not organic. It doesn't make any sense. It's okay to use ums and ahs. The point where it becomes a problem is where it starts detracting from your message. That's the only thing. So use the ums, use the ahs if it helps you get through it, but just make sure every other word is an um or an ah. I love
0: that. So you spoke at the White House. So did you meet Barack Obama?
1: I didn't, but I went looking for him. Oh, I went looking for him. With two copies of the book, like, here, take one from Obama and take one from the show. They would love this.
0: So you speak at the White House. Yeah. You start your own company.
1: Yeah, Authority Speaking LLC.
0: What do you do at Authority Speaking LLC?
1: I'm trying to provide access to people who can't learn this communication skill. Sort of if you think about young Steve looking for skills and had to go hire that person for 200 an hour. So I want to provide access to the skill at a low cost. So when you go on there, you'll see a blog, you'll see on my website, little quick cheat sheets. Of course, you'll see the book, things like that. Just tools that can kind of shatter the barriers around this industry of saying, oh, well in order to become a better public speaker, you have to sit there and do this every single day. Yeah, I disagree. And I think I do a lot better than a lot of people.
0: Hmm. Okay, so that's what authority speaking is, and you've written a book. Sure. You're only 26 years old. Yeah. How?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm in graduate school. I'm at Columbia University, so there is, and this makes it worse, because I was thinking maybe I have time. I don't. I'm always sitting there doing all this research and stuff, but for me, I was extremely passionate about it. And I did, if you look up, I'm going to open the book now, if you look at the dedication, you see someone in there, Warren Coakley, that's my mentee. And when I thought about giving up on the book Or taking a break I always thought about him I'm always telling him Listen, no breaks No taking anything off You can do it You can do it So I'm thinking I'd be a hypocrite If I get halfway through this thing And not finish it So when you ask the question about How did I do it I mean, long, very long nights And it kind of came a little bit natural Just because I do this all the time But it definitely wasn't easy
0: Do you sleep eight hours a day? A night? No How much sleep do you get?
1: four or five but recently i've been getting seven eight i've been finding ways to
0: don't lie to me steve
1: okay Have so like four getting... or five <laughs> but sometimes i get like a little seven eight but the thing is if i sleep too long i wake up panicky i'll be honest i wake up panicky and i'm thinking there's something undone there's something that i am supposed to be doing Or well, there's somebody i'm supposed to be helping or an email that i'm supposed to respond to mm. i haven't mastered that four-hour work week thing and i don't think i ever want to because there's people out there that need me period
0: As a 26 year old that's done all of these things, what's next for you?
1: Hmm. There's this thing about speaking into existence, right? Mm -hmm. So I got another project coming out for the babies. And when I say babies, I mean seven to 10 years old. It's gonna be like speak for kids. A lot of pictures and all that kind of stuff. That's so cute. I'm gonna continue to give the professional talks. And aside from everything, I wanna just invest more. That's another little hobby or passion of mine. I wanna be able to do more of that.
0: Nice. Yeah. Okay, so how can people in this audience support you? How can we help you get to where you need to go? Because you've shared a bunch of wisdom with us today that has helped me personally and I'm hoping will help some of the listeners.
1: You can email me at authorityspeaking at, gmail.com, authorityspeaking at gmail.com. I just want, really want to hear from you in terms of what's salient for you. What kind of topics resonate for you? Because I'm at a point now where I do have sort of a platform and a voice where people will listen. So if I could take any of your burning issues, and this is the psychotherapist in me coming out, that you think needs to be addressed, send it to me. Maybe I could find ways to incorporate that into a talk or do something like that. I always answer people. Okay. Stay in touch. And I mean, prayers? (laughs)
0: I'll send you prayers. I like that. Thank you so, so much for coming on the show. This has been so fun to record. Thank you. Uh,
1: I appreciate you inviting me and taking the time to open up your space to me. I really enjoyed it.
0: Isn't he amazing? Thank you so much for listening. Everything we talked about today, including a link to Steve's book, which is titled Speak, Simple Guide to Public Speaking, is in the show notes and you can access the show notes by clicking on the depth and candor logo on the podcast that you're listening to. If you like this episode, subscribe on iTunes and please rate the show. And if you want more than just the podcast, go to depthandcandor.com and join the insiders list so you can get invitations to in-person events, new videos, and my personal life lessons. And finally, if you've noticed that the sound quality in the intro and outro of this episode isn't as excellent as usual, it's because I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina today, and I left all of my podcasting equipment in New York. And if you want to know what I'm doing here, join me over on Instagram. My handle is h-i-w-o-t-e underscore g, and I'm obsessed with the gram. Okay, talk to you next week.